Hi, I'd like to welcome everybody to the CCWSA podcast. I'm Rob High in Oklahoma City, joined by Philip Naiman, and once more by our special guest, Tony Blauer. Um, we were discussing some of the neurosciences behind self-defense issues um, and going into all of the things that we've done preparing ourselves for these things, guys that have trained a lot. Um, you know, with a, with a wrestling martial arts background, um, the number that has always been given to me was, you know, you need to make, you need to make something to where it becomes autonomic, you know, you're and it's 10,000 reps and you're going to do this and you're going to do that. And having been a cop for almost 30 years, I can tell you right now that an ambush is going to throw every single one of those reps out the window. Um, so it's, it's developing the proper mindset and understanding how to go with the way that we are wired internally. Um, not anything that I had to do to prepare myself to, to have a startle flinch response. It just, it just happens. You know, you, you can get that with, with a small child, they do it wasn't anybody in your household that taught him how that's just part of it um you know it's almost like the old pink panther movies with peter sellers you know where he opens <laughs> up the cupboard to get some cornflakes and the his cato jumps out and uh, attacks him like that so <laughs> inspector clouseau there you go yeah. so there there's something that that you said rob that was hang on a sec um there's something that you said there that i want to inject uh something in where, you know, hey, 10,000 hours, I want to make a comment about that if I can. And, and I also want to make a comment about the, um, about the uh, you know, ambush and all of that goes out, out the windows. So both of you and probably a bunch of you on this, on this uh, podcast have practiced gun disarms, physically doing gun disarms, correct? Yes. So let's say you've done 10,000 hours of someone sticking a gun in your face and you putting your hands up and doing some sort of clear, you know, takeaway. What people don't realize is if you've done 10,000 hours where I say, you know, you say, hey, Tony, let's do the gun disarm. I take my cert pistol. I stick it at you. You put your hands up. You do that 10,000 times. What people don't realize is that they've done 10,001 reps letting somebody stick a gun in their face. Yep. When you do 10,000 reps of how to get out of a headlock, you do 10,001 reps of putting your head in a headlock. So I want to make, and so our training, our scenario training, our train the trainer programs, all of that stuff is all built around understanding the neuroscience of learning, understanding to the, to, to the nerdy level of what does it mean to myelinate a neuron? What is signal speed? How do we develop signal speed, meaning, meaning mind speed, because the mind navigates the body. And when you understand that, you can teach tennis, CCW, gunfighting, self-defense, right? The, it's, if the mind navigates the body, and it does, you need to understand how the brain works. And that the brain is default is always trying to predict the future. 
if I go like this to reach to go shake hands with you, even through Zoom, you might start feeling yourself going, right? If I say to you, man, I wonder if the, and you're going weather, uh, you start, people start guessing, hey, what's for dinner? What's the weather going to be like tomorrow? Is this, we don't even realize that we're doing it because it's just part of a behavioral pattern. But when you start to understand how the brain actually works, you can start to see uh, how and why your training is augmenting, helping, uh, misdirecting. So uh, I want to say I agree with your statement that, hey, I did my 10,000 hours. I was taught. I was a cop for 30 years. When I was ambushed, I weathered the ambush and I adapted and I improvised. But what if some nerd came along and said, what if we practiced off balance on purpose? What if we created training where I had to recalibrate and re-regulate my mindset, my thinking, my breathing, and also the physical components of balance? If you think about you've been a martial artist your whole life, how many times are you doing like a, like a kata or something and you lose your balance and you restop and you set, you reset from there, right? I, I, I'm doing a front kick and I lost my balance. Damn it. Okay. Get, get that over. Or you're at the range. Where do like, where do, where do hot gun uh, shooting drills start from? What's our hand position for most people? What is this? The surrender position. Yeah. Why are you right? And this is a silly thing is that if I were here, see my Bob here, right? If, if, I, if I was here like this and Bob had a gun here and I was like this, I wouldn't be going beep and, and drawing from here. I'd be going, hey, whoa, I'd be on Bob, redirecting, fighting him here, whack, hitting him here, driving him back, and then figuring out how to transition from there. In other words, there's a disconnect in how we learn in the previous podcast, I talked about quickness versus suddenness. And that inspires, um, that inspires how we design scenarios. But you can't design a, a, a realistic, relevant, rigorous, we call it the three R's scenario, if you don't also understand the neurobiology of survival and how your, how your body works and what's important now, right? So, Action's faster than reaction. Why would I ever practice drawing if the threat was right in front of me? So I need, I need uh, uh, the, these these additional skills. Like I talked about that that airbag deploying. Uh, we need that. So the the little again another rabbit hole. I agree with you. You do ten thousand reps of something, and the ambush happens. It goes out the window unless ten thousand of those reps were. How do I weather the ambush? How do I weaponize the startle flinch? How do I go from off balance to on balance? And again, at a, at a, at a, at a, at a closer demo here, you know, Bob is here, right? And he's encroaching me. And you know this just because you're, everyone knows I have a gun right now on me. Um, but you don't draw your gun out and posture with it, right? It's the last thing you ever want to pull out because your life changes. You pull out a gun in a real fight, your life changes. Amen. And you got to be ready for that. So you're in what's called a choiceless choice. We're going, if I don't do something, this is it. 
I've got to do something. But this guy comes at you and you're backing off and you're trying to defuse this and you're all of your, ah, shit, I want to, what do I do here? And the guy, I can't do this perfectly because I'm a role player. I'm going to push Bob. He's very heavy, right? And he'll bump forward. So what I'm going to do is he comes at me. He's a zombie. Let's make it like fun. It's the walking dead. It's real. He's a zombie and he comes at me and I've got to go, whoa, my hand's got to come up. That's the startle flinch the airbag deploys. This is not the time to do this. Running backwards is always slower than running forwards. The biggest mistake cops are taught is create space. You create, and if you, you, you I know you said you never got into a spear course. One of the biggest paradigm busters and shifts we do is I say, if the bad guy's moving towards you, that's the normal axis for charging. If you're creating space and moving back and he accelerates, you're going to fall down. It's why cops get knocked to the ground so easily because they're taught to move backwards. In the spear system, we create space by moving the bad guy. So notice here, airbag deploys the strongest, regardless of gender, regardless of size, the strongest thing you can do, it's the split jerk of self-defense, is drive your hands quarter extremity forward, both hands. You're in the center line, you're pushing, you can go to palm strikes, eye gouges, palm, forearm, elbows, knees, all of that here, but I can drive back, pin in here, and transition up and out if I've got to, if I've got to move from there. But the most important work, the most important work is deploying that airbag, the body's survival system, weathering the ambush, and then going from off balance to on balance, emotionally, psychologically, physically, morally, ethically, legally, threat discriminate. Don't just, don't just grab your gun because you have one, right? So now if we go back to what you said, and this is a deep, deep rabbit hole, mm -hmm is you do your 10,000 hours, the 10,000 hours of reps, and this is an interesting thing. You guys remember, you're old enough to remember the term speed rock for clearing a gun, right? So it's here, up, pull your gun out, cant it, right? So you don't cycle your slide in your shirt, cant it, twist it. And where was the support hand always? If I've got a guy who's trying to bite my head off, head me sucker punch me stab me and my neural patterns what everyone calls muscle memory there's no such thing as muscle memory your neural patterns have your support hand doing this right we're here like this we're like oh draw the shirt up boom if i'm in here like that we teach people to bring their hand on the inside correct if i've got a bad guy this close to me trying to fucking hit me where should my support hand be on him on him also where would it be if it was happening really fucking fast if i jumped through the screen right now none of you would do this you would all go whoa so that movement which was created because somebody probably shot their pinky or their elbow in training years ago went how about this bang and their thumb came off <laughs> Right. So a lot of times what we do is we have a, a we, we create a law over it, a law, but nobody knows the origin story. So it's like, hey, but here's the thing is it's this movement has actually cost people their lives. Yeah. 
Yeah, you can get your arm pinned too. Well, there, you're inside here, but I mean, there's one story out in, I think it was Wisconsin, when I, was, I was teach, taught a lot of police courses out there where suspects running away, he's got a knife on him, he pulls it out and the cop's chasing him and he goes slash and he turns and the cop is running, he gets cut across the forearm, right? They're running like this, the guy's running and he goes, Poof, and he slashes like that, the cop's hands come up and then the cop does this, fuck, he's got a knife, he does this. And he draws his weapon and as he's drawing his weapon, the guy comes back, slashes, cuts him, he, he fires at him, cop kills him, but the cop also bled out. Had he had his hand up, he would have taken the shots on his hand, uh, on his arm, not across his throat. Yes. You know, it, it, this is super, super important. But anyways, huge. I get, you can see I get a little fired up over this shit. Um, we would make people safer if we taught them about the neuroscience of fear, how to manage fear, uh, how to weaponize a startle flinch. And then what you said is like, if you're going to do your 10,000 reps, I've got a maxim that again, again, born out of all this, like, like 40 years of studying violence, fear, and aggression, be careful what you practice. You might get really good at the wrong thing. Correct. That's the maxim air quotes. Be careful what you practice. You might get really good at the wrong thing. You know, you, uh, people are taught create space, right? Be running backwards, whatever, get off the line, get off the X. You hear all that stuff, but if you looked at what you actually did there, you created space, you created an operational space that you could do what you needed to do in that was protecting yourself and defending that. Like when you pushed, uh, you call them Bob, it looks like Bass Root to me, but when they, you- uh, They call them the Bob dummy. I didn't even know it's an acronym for, I don't know what it is, but it's a Bob dummy. Bob's an acronym, I don't know. Yeah, what it is. I still think it looks like Bass Root. But um, you, you push him, pushed him back, and, and there was like a framed space where you could actually do what you needed to do, whether get off the yeah. line, move or. Intentional. So you, you did create space. It's just a whole different philosophy. Yeah. Well, it's, 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 so I always look at stuff, emotional, psychological, physical. So, you know, I, did I, you hear I, my I, mic fall. Did you jump on that one? I didn't, but it, was, it was too soft. It was nice. Um, but, it, but it, the, I know that moving backwards athletically, moving backwards athletically is slower than moving forwards. If the threat is charging me, then the only way that I can stop or redirect is to do that. You know, yeah. you, so, you know, you don't, you don't move backwards as a wrestler. You, you're not taking anyone down moving backwards. Right. Uh, the, the the closest to moving backwards would be a sprawl and even that's dynamic and violent uh so moving backwards right. is is you know this type of movement i don't care how good an athlete you are if i'm charging you we're going to go to the ground i'm going to run you over so but there's an emotional psychological connection to that posture if i say to somebody okay let's get ready man things are happening nobody goes like this people are like let's go Hey, range is hot. You know, you, you, you do that. But the body naturally wants to lower its center of gravity and settle. So, so that's a, that's a, that's a huge change. But yeah, as soon as, as soon as I started 1993 is when I started teaching cops full time. Um, and um, I went in there and there were a bunch of things that 
we, we changed their interview posture, we changed their stance, we changed uh, uh, these, these movement protocols. We say, hey, another thing we'd always say with the moving backwards forwards is like, we don't know what's behind us all the time, but we always know what's behind the opponent. Yeah, strip the in the parking lot. Right, but I always know what's behind you. If you're aggressing me and I'm going, hey man, uh, like I don't know if I'm at the edge of the Grand Canyon right now because I'm like worried about you. But I do know that you're at the edge of the Grand Canyon or there's a coffee table behind you or a car or... So this the idea that I can use that, that knowledge to pin you, it's like my backup. If I slam you into a car, that's going to affect your balance and, and so on and so forth. So there's a lot of strategy and psychology behind why we move forward. But the most important thing is, is this to have this, this athletic point of domination. You know, if you're holding a shotgun or, or, or a rifle, uh, your posture would be here angled like that. And that's, that's really the, the, the same angle of the spear system. Right, right, right. You know, it, I don't even know where we got our upgrades from, um, but it was probably 2005, somewhere in there that, that we really retooled and redirected our focus on our training um, to, to put our guys in a position to win and survive. Um, but, you know, just for years, we were, we were just so counterproductive to to anything as far as, as our own real survival. Um, and it's just like, you're talking about the whole backing up and giving space and, and, and not, not taking control of a situation when we had the opportunity, um, you know, as, as the subject matter expert for our department, um, I worked with, uh, our city attorneys on, uh, lawsuits against police officers for excessive force or unjust force or shootings or whatever. And almost without fail, what I found was guys not handling a situation properly at the onset and giving up ground and giving up until they were so far behind the eight ball that they had to really go over the top to get back in a position of control. And and they they really they they placed themselves in that position. Had they been more aggressive and dominant from the onset, um, they would have come out a lot better off and and not gone over the top with with the force that they used. And I was lucky to be part of a a, a department that was progressive enough that encouraged us to get better. They let us get better and find those things. And they spent the money and they sent us out to, to get that kind of education. Um, but we were, we were so far ahead of, of other agencies. I mean, everybody was, was behind the curve on that. So even in that, Rob, where you've got an aggressor, if you're what, if you're a police officers, it's really even worse. But if, if you are backing up, it is encouraging that aggressor. You know, you're giving them space. And, and number one, they're always bullies looking for somebody they think that they can over dominate in this type of a situation. And so if you're doing that kind of a posture, you're almost encouraging what's going to happen next. Well, another thing, and, and Tony, you probably speak to this. Um, 
you know, most of the guys that we have in our membership are really top-notch, good people, just want to protect themselves. They, they don't want to get hurt. Um, but the guys that are these predators, they, they really kind of operate in the animal kingdom. Um, they're so good at reading body language. They're so good at taking advantage of your fear and, and coming across and, and with us not understanding, especially our members, um, if you don't have that type of training and the understanding that you're going to have to overcome that, you're going to have to find your way to direct this to the positive, um, it, it really sets you up for failure. If you're, if you're, you know, Tony pointed it out, I've had thousands of hours of training, really a, a losing methodology. Um, it took forever to, to make it work. And, and that was our deal. We finally just got to the point where we're not starting over clean. You, you messed up. We're not going to go, okay, reset your feet. Let's do that all over again. It was make it work, make it work right now. So. Um, yeah, you said something earlier, I ended up penning a, a four or five page article called emotional use of force and putting a program together uh, called emotional use of force, which is more of a, uh, like a live keynote and or uh, zoom presentation for agencies. On that, what you, what you talked about there was you give up ground, you give up ground, and now what could have been contained earlier had you been more dominant and more, and you use the word uh, uh, aggressive, and I know what you meant in terms of like competency in, in movement, but it's it's a lot of people confuse competence with confidence. Yeah, you know you have a bell curve, you know testing element where it's choreographed and coordinated not realizing like you said the predator in the street is a different animal from a different animal kingdom uh and 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 you've had uh drills designed for you to pass so we could check in the box say you did put your hand here and your thumb was on the third metacarpal bone when you did this complicated disarm and you're right and then all that shit goes out the window so yeah, you're lucky that your agency started to make that switch. We're in a new era now where everything's like crazy with defund the police and everyone's afraid to move and 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 fear has really been weaponized uh, and um, it, it's a big issue. But I would say, you know, like not everyone, like it's not realistic. I don't I, I don't really know the demographics of, of most of your audience, but I will say most people are not going to get the street cred reps of like a SWAT team in a big city. And so how does the, the good Samaritan who just wants to be left alone, who has bought a gun for home defense, lives in a place where they can carry legally and gets the training, how do they fill in the blank where, where you know, I was on a podcast yesterday where someone said, well, what about the people that have been in like a hundred street fights, but never lost? And I went, did they not lose because they were in a hundred street fights that they started 
that they never lost. In other words, you can you can have somebody like they, we were talking about like uh, like famous uh, uh, doorman security bouncers. This guy, he's like he's a legend. He's never lost. He's a bouncer. He's sober watching somebody get drunk and can tell that guy's going to be a problem in two hours. And then I walk up like, like Patrick Swayze at Roadhouse. The guy says, I thought you'd be bigger. And then I say, get him out of here. And like the team goes to work. You can't, you can't report on that. I don't know how <laughs> you can't report on that and go, that's a COVID death. <laughs> like, like that wasn't the same as an ambush. You can't just mark it up there because you want to skew the statistics. Yeah, you know, I was have- I worked uh, I worked in a nightclub for a while there when I was younger, and the one thing you learn is you can choose in that situation the level of violence that you want because you know if you want to be the jerk that there's going to be fists thrown, you want to talk them down, talk them out. You have that ability, and so when in that kind of situation that guy is deciding who he wants to hit and who he doesn't want to swing on yeah yeah and and uh but going back to so what do we do as as the member the members of your organization how how do they you know they go well that's great you were a cop for 30 years you were a bouncer oh tony you've been training for 50 years no, i worked a nightclub that's different. Right? <laughs> okay um the uh there are esoteric things that you can do like truly understanding the timeline of violence. When does stuff really start? So we have a a model called the timeline of violence, detect, diffuse, defend, detect and avoid, defuse and deescalate. If push comes to shove, defend. I understand. I do things. I, I, I study the medical, I study the legal, not crazy. You don't have to be a master in it, but enough. This is where I live. This is what I need to know. If, if like, if, if you looked at, let's say overconsuming sugar does to our body, you, it would make you think twice every time you added more sugar, you know, you go, you know what? I'm going to have like just a tea, uh, like a teaspoon of sugar, not two or three in my coffee. You start to wean off. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to a diet soda and stuff. In other words, if you study violence, there's just some some a thought for for your audience. If you study violence a little bit more from the perspective of this is the outcome, the result of not having good situational awareness and making good choices. I find a lot of people in the firearms community and a lot of people in the martial arts self defense kind of cavalier about violence. You know, like the, that's why I carry, or that's why I got a knife, or I'd have done this. And, and I just wish people would go, you know what? You just want to get home to your family, have a nice meal, say I love you, go to sleep. And it's not about repeat, you know, rinse, repeat, but just live a normal, safe life. Well, and the other part of that, you know, you're, you're talking about guys that are are in the martial arts community. And, and yes, I absolutely know the guys you're talking about. <clears throat> but if you and I are in a, in a wrestling match, we have clear defined rules mm-hmm. within that engagement. I know the things that go on in that realm. And I know that as you and I come out, shake hands and the referee blows a whistle, 
that the action is going to begin right then. Same thing with any other kind of martial arts competition, yeah. um, whether it's a, a judoka or a jujitsu ju, match or Muay Thai or whatever we're doing. And I've, I've engaged and, and got my hands dirty in every single one of these, but it was a known. It was an absolute known. But listen, you, violence you, you're talking you do, about. you do the same thing when you did simunition force on force. Yes. Yes. That's, that's what people need to understand. It's like, oh, what about scenario training? Um, if you go, guys, we're going to do some force on force today. Like, uh, you need eye protection. Uh, I want all live ammo outside the house. Uh, go, go to the equipment table. You're going to get a brief on this. And then you do surprise attacks. It's not a surprise attack. Surprise, right? yes. So even you're talking about something. I love it. I, I, we call it CAP, CAP, Consent Awareness Preparation. And so when you enter the wrestling match or the jiu-jitsu match or a UFC or a boxing match or a scenario house, you're consenting to be there. You didn't wake up and go, oh, that was a good night's sleep. And someone snuck you in your bed into the octagon. And you're like, what the fuck? I'm in the octagon. <laughs> Again, I always have that dream. Right? You consented to be there. You went to the rules meeting and signed a waiver. So you have awareness. And the assumption is we've done some training. So there is some preparation, mental and physical. And while that's valuable, it, we, it comes back to our in our first podcast where I talked about when a stimulus is introduced too quickly, executive function is hijacked. We can't access our cognitive brain the way we thought we could in our in our theoretical discussions. I would just do this if he came in here. Um, I, I just did uh, uh, last month. I did a talk with forty uh, uh, reality-based self-defense instructors in Europe. I was going to mention the association, but we'll leave the the system out of it because because this is pervasive around the world. It doesn't matter what the organization is. And it's not a knock. It's what I do as a consultant. I said, do you guys practice gun disarms? They said, absolutely. It's one of our big things. I said, and so, so what are they? And they went, well, from the front, from the side, from the side, to the gut, from behind. So they got the, you know, the north, south, east, west. And they're very good at this stuff. I said, you're practicing gun disarms. Do you also practice gun scenarios? They go, yeah. I go, what do you do? And it's like quiet. I go, you're doing, you're confusing gun scenarios with gun disarms. For example, if I pull a gun and I go, give me your watch, give me your wallet. That's a robbery scenario. If I say to you, take this hood, throw it on your head, get in the trunk of the car. That's a kidnapping. Now you're going, now that starts to download. Am I going to a secondary crime scene and what happens there? Now I come in, you're sitting there having a beer and I go bang, bang, bang. And I shoot some people. And then I'm standing and looking at you and, and you're like, shit, like this. And you got your guns on you, but you're like, it happened so fast. And the guy's pointing the gun in your face. You're like this. Now you're in an active shooter situation. My question to them and to your audience was all the 10,000 hours of gun disarms you did, do they apply now? Not yet. You still need to recalibrate from the, what's the scenario? What does the bad guy want? Where am I in terms of psychological homeostasis? Meaning, am I balanced right now or am I going, holy shit, I can't believe this. this these are the Socratic questions that help us design scenarios. And these are the questions that'll make you all safer.
what would I do here if? And then you look at the refractory delay between stimulus runs. If you don't know your answers, I know we're running low on time. One of my, one of my students, CCW, asked me a question. I said to him, Chuck, I said, let me ask you this. You walk into a restaurant, you're carrying, you go to the front and you go, hey, uh, I'm here to uh, have dinner. I got a six o'clock appointment. I'm a little bit early. And you go, yeah, just wait over there. Boom, screaming, you hear a table go over, gunfire. It's around the corner, around the door. You don't know. Are you drawing your weapon and running in there? He goes, no. I go, because you don't know what's on there, right? And you don't, you're not in a uniform. You don't want to be the guy drawing a gun. Maybe like nine people shoot you. What do you do? He goes, uh, I would uh, stage. I'd move out, call 911, identify. He goes through the, the proper protocols. I go, great. Okay. So that was good. You hesitated a little bit, Chuck when I asked you what you would do. So now you've got a mental rep, great. Let's do it again. You're at the, uh, uh, the podium where you're checking in. You go, hey, I'm here. I got a six o'clock meeting. I'm a little bit late, or six o'clock dinner. I'm a little bit late before you were a little bit early, right? He goes, yeah, I'm a little bit late. I'm meeting my family. And he looks at me, we're on a Zoom call. And I go, and the hostess says, oh, come right with me. And all of a sudden you hear yelling. You hear a table drop. You're still walking. You got to walk 10 feet to come around to see the restaurant. And then you hear gunfire. Now, your last SOP, which was correct, was to back off, create barricade, create, uh, you know, uh, uh, distance, get an angle, call the police. But now you know your wife and your two kids are in a room in an active shooter situation. What are you doing now? And he goes, fuck. He goes, I'm going in. I go, yeah. You are, other people might go up, but this, do you guys, I guess you got goosebumps and now like reliving that, Sorry, that moment. Could you say that again? Yes. Thank you, Siri. Um, <laughs> um, she's always interrupting my podcast, but do you guys understand like, this is the, that question represents more better training than you at the range shooting five, 500 more rounds. And, and they're, and they're real live reps, the, the mental imaging and, and the things that you can do between your ears with nobody else present are so huge. Um, it, it's part of that preparation. It, it, it may be the most important part of that preparation. So I don't talk about this a lot. Uh, uh, I, I've, I brought it up on a, on, a, on a couple of podcasts, but it's appropriate here. And, and we're, we're talking about, you know, the, um, uh, like, Rob, you talked about how much you can do with, with in between your ears, the mindset, understanding, visualizing all of that. And um, my family experienced a home invasion in 2000 and, and uh, right at the end of 2009. And I, I wasn't home for it. Uh, guys forced their way in the front door. My son heard it. He was upstairs. He was 16 years old at the time. He heard them come in. He figured out right away is what was happening. He called 911. Cops were there inside three minutes. Uh, but these guys were in the house. And they, my daughters were downstairs uh, watching TV. They uh, heard them come in. My, my daughter, Madison, grabbed her little sister. They were 11 and 8 at the time. Grabbed her and hit her uh, in, in her room. My wife at the front door at gunpoint uh, uh, is being led. They happened to be, they obviously were casing the house. They went where the kids, where the kids. 
kids got identified. Imagine how terrifying this was for the kids. No masks on. Uh, they take my son, my daughter, and my two girls, and they put them in the closet where my girls were hiding. So they're in there. They're going around the house. They come back, and they want they want wife to show them where money or jewelry is or whatever. And they grab her by the arm. She resists. And the guy's holding the gun here like this. And my son would call the... Uh, the police, because we lived in an area where this shit doesn't happen, they were there, like I said, inside three minutes. These guys heard the sirens and they panicked. They were 17 and 18 years old. We ended up catching them all, but they fortunately didn't, they didn't shoot anybody. And oh my God, like it was just an emotional trauma. Everyone's hysterical. I get home, SWAT comes, clears the house. Uh, everything's good. And I'm debriefing the family one by one. You're safe, hugging them, they're crying. I'm talking to my son. And I say to him, uh, I'm so proud of you for calling 911. You, you don't realize, I didn't say to him, you saved everyone's life because you guys know this. A home invasion with a mask on can go bad. A home invasion without a mask on, that's like really bad right to start. He's talking to me and he says, dad, and he's trained with me and he's only 16 at the time. Could imagine, but imagine, first of all, as a father hearing this, but I, I want your audience to listen to this. Here's this fucker standing there holding my wife's arm with a, a handgun like this, grabbing her going, come with me. She's like, where are we going? Come with me, right? He says to me, and I'm holding back the tears. He says, dad, I remembered what you said in the training that if somebody doesn't have a mask, that's always a bad sign. And if they take you and they move you, that's always a bad sign. And I wanted to do that gun disarm that you had taught me in, in that training. But I also remembered you saying, always expect a round to go off and never be in front of that hole. And if you're never in front of the hole, you can't get shot. And he says, but we are in the narrow closet and my sisters were behind me. And I knew if I grabbed the gun to do that gun disarm, one of them would have been shot. And he goes, I'm sorry, dad. I had to let them take mom. Police sirens, I'm sorry to cry there just thinking about that. Yeah. But what I want you adults listening to this is this is a 16-year-old kid visualizing all of that and making the safe call. Mom's on her own. I can't compromise my sisters and me right now. I know what to do, but I can't do it now. And making that call in the moment. Amazing, right? Yeah, that's 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 just world class, dude. That is. And and, and, and I, look, I I I I told I've told him many times since you saved everyone's life that that night. You know, but just that idea that uh, the presence of mind for and listen, he'd been to like, I mean, although I mean, he grew up around me. I lived this stuff 24 seven. Right. I mean, he was asleep in, in a car seat while I'm doing seminars, building my business. So through osmosis, he heard shit, but he, he wasn't like, but, it, but it's not like he was a ninja. And I was doing running around the house, like, like, uh, like the joke you, you made earlier, like Pink Panther and Clue. I wasn't jumping out with guns and. You know, my family, like most families, they don't train with me. They don't take advantage of my skill set. But I, I made them, I made them experience some of the stuff. 
But the moral of the story here is this. One thing is that, that it doesn't matter who you are, shit can happen to you. When people heard this happen to me, they couldn't believe, oh my God, Tony Blauer, world-renowned self-defense combatives instructor has home invasion, right? Anyone, anywhere, anytime, are you ready? But the ready part isn't, I think part of what inspired this is just this idea of, of having a cavalier answer of, that's why I carry, that's why I carry. You may be in a situation where you're, I call it the three eyes, your instincts, your intuition, and your intelligence is needed to solve the problem. It's not your quick draw skills. It's not your shot placement. It's the mind navigating the body going, what is the totality of the circumstances here? What do I need to do? Uh, you've, you've trained enough guys. You under, you understand the rationale and the reason behind this. Um, I was probably in 50 different scenarios where very justifiably I could have taken somebody's life, but I had other alternatives. I had other skills to, to utilize and I didn't have to. So we were able to successfully resolve that situation with no bloodshed. I also worked around an awful lot of guys that would sit back and nitpick on your decision to not use lethal force. And all of a sudden they're start, starting to chip their teeth about, I, you know, I smoked him, I'd have done this. Right. And those guys are still, they're like the guys that, you know, that's why I carry, that's why right. I do this. Because they're still trying to convince themselves that if they were in that season, that they could. Right. They, they don't know for a fact that I have, I have the skill set, and when it when it becomes necessary, I'm going to do it. So, it, yeah. it it's just being truthful, being honest with yourself, knowing what you can and cannot do, and and having that realization. I'm I'm still I I want to meet your kid now, dude. That's that that's crazy? such a cool story. So yeah, it's uh you know um it's it's so subtle because it's not the it's not the the Hollywood ending, you know. Right. Oh, he did this and did that, and it, it's you know talking about self awareness and reasonable, and and uh, uh, and mature. You think back to the other story I told. I don't remember if it was this podcast or the prior one with the running, where you know, grown adult. Hey, you break contact. I want you to run. We need to practice that. We need to have. I I call it like just these mental reps of. This is running, this is improvised weapon, this is medical, this is courageous bystander, this is, and I ask people, you know, always choose safety. As a model, if you said, hey, what's one thought our audience should, should you can leave them with? And it's this idea of choosing safety. But oh. don't confuse choosing safety with playing it safe. Sometimes the safest thing is to charge the threat. Sometimes the safest thing is to run away. Sometimes the safest thing is to barricade. But like my son, you need to look at what's going on and weigh and consider everything and then make your decision. Don't right. just default to your 10,000 reps. Yeah. No, that's so good. Give awesome. us your website again, brother. I'd like to, to make sure that everybody can, can plug in and, and check you out if they want. And uh... yeah, um, so so we're we've got a we've got a bunch of websites we've got, we've got the main one that takes you to all my websites because i've got one for our gear one for our fear management one for our beer and bodyguard one for our spear 
The main one is Blower Training Systems. My last name, trainingsystems.com. And that'll take you to Blower Spear for the spear, or the high gear or the no fear. Um, and of course, I'm on LinkedIn and no, and Instagram and all that. Shadow band on Instagram. Good luck finding me. Um, but uh, um, I, I'm, I'm all over. And we do live courses and Zoom classes. I've got a, a garage gym program that I mentioned in the earlier one, where it's really the most fun I have all week is getting in here and, and, and giving people ideas to practice. Well, brother, I know you got. I know you got something else coming up that that you got to tend to. But I I appreciate you so much. I cannot thank you enough. Thank um, you. Again, guys, if you got uh, comments, suggestions, questions, you can hit me directly, Rob at ccwsafe.com. Um, Phil, you got any takeaways for us? No, I just want to thank you for your time, Tony. I know how busy you are, and uh, your advice. You know, obviously it saved your family's life, right? Uh, your family's eating your own cooking and uh, they're there because you had this training. You did this with your kids and your kid was smart enough and respectful enough really of, his, of the situation that saved your family. So hats off to him and you and your mom or his mom and the kids. And, Thank you. and I'm glad they caught the guys. I hope they're in a wood chipper somewhere. Yeah, no, they're, 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 all out now you know the uh this is uh you know they were all uh, uh juveniles and it was their first offense they went from they went from being good americans to home invasion nothing in between it was their first offense so first so they got caught at yeah yeah right exactly um so well thank you guys times. for joining us we appreciate you and mm -hmm. uh we ask everybody to come back and join us again next week all right god bless stay safe bye-bye stay safe